0: I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO, to coaches of your favorite teams, to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hi guys, welcome back, it's Morgan. Today I'm sitting down with Coach Kevin Hamley from Stanford University. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Oh, happy to be on.
0: We're excited to get to know you better. So, can you tell us about the highs and lows of your current season?
1: We'll start with the highs: winning the national championship with that group was pretty was so pretty amazing. fun. Yeah, it was a cool. And then, um, you know, the highs were higher probably because of some of the lows. You know, we lost. Mm-hmm. We had a streak where we lost three out of five matches and weren't playing great. We lost uh, um, Catherine Plummer. She was, she was out with an injury and we, we lost her for 10 matches and she was the um, two-time national player of the year. And um, we had, uh, I don't know, I think we changed our lineup in that 10 match streak all but from match to match. I think there was only two matches that we had the same starting group playing. We just had a couple freak things like a back go out and oh, no. an ankle sprain and so that was a low was like trying to sort through all that emotionally and figuring it out. But I think also, you know, it was high, – the highs were that we figured out a way to go 9-1 and without Plummer, even though emotionally we felt we were hurting for her and we were hurting for the other players that were out um, for other not – like, not quite as extended time. But, you know, we figured out a way to win. And so those what, – what perceived lows really led to um, – some really really fun highs you know and then to play the way we did in the tournament we only lost two sets in the NCAA tournament and really played at the highest level the team has played in a long time I think and the highest seen um and ran through the tournament I think we had over 350 for the entire tournament even higher than that wow. was was pretty was pretty special and pretty fun to be a part of that and the coolest part about it was that um I think for all of us, it wasn't about like how we were performing. It was more that we've got to play together for one last time. I had a bunch of seniors and the fact that we just really enjoyed being together um, for one last run. And we wanted to just extend that time. And, you know, at the end of it, when we did win, even though it was exciting and it was fun, there was a lot of sadness that we, that it was over and that we were Mm -hmm. just done playing together and, I think when I look back on the season, that's my favorite part about it is that, yeah, you, you won the championship and you celebrate that, but we are more sad that we didn't get to be together anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's the highs and the lows. Not a lot of lows, but um, a lot more highs.
0: Yeah. Well, I love listening to the highs and lows because it shows like how teams got to where they're at. And it, it really sounds yeah, like you guys worked really hard to get where you're at. So,
1: Yeah. We, it was, it's always winning championships aren't easy. So you have to no. make that happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: It's true. No, I'm impressed. That's why I'm like, that's awesome. Well, and I love that you brought up injuries too and how your team was able to work through that because injuries, those are hard. You know, it takes, every player is important. So I can only imagine how the fact that you won even throughout all the adversity you faced, like that's that's amazing.
1: It was it was really cool to see how the team responded to each injury as it came. It was just like, okay, like we'll be fine. And one of the things that was really interesting that we talked about is, the players that were replacing the players that started was don't we talk about, don't disrespect the work that you've put in, you know, and trust, mm-hmm. trust the work you put in. And, you know, you talk about that stuff a lot, you know, it's like coach speak, like you can earn your, you can earn confidence through, through working really hard and through training. That's how you earn confidence. Mm-hmm. But then when it was actually time for those players that maybe never played before, actually, to get on the floor, the conversations were more about like, Hey, don't just trust them you know, really trust the work you put in and don't disrespect how hard you worked, or disrespect, disrespect yourself as a player. Like, we respect you as a player and, and have complete confidence that you're going you're gonna to be able to perform and keep us going on the right track. You don't make sure that you don't disrespect yourself. And uh, that was really fun. And then just kind of trying to, the problem solving that went on, you know, like right before a match, we lost to our starting opposite and we had to figure out a way to perform without her. And um, something happened when she was warming up, we're like, okay, we'll figure this out. Let's go. And mm-hmm. we ended up winning the match in three still somehow because the team just trusted themselves and trust the work that they put in. Wow. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun.
0: Oh, no, that's, there's, sports are so rewarding. And I think especially working hard and, you know, working through those things. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Of course. Yeah. And
1: how did you get to be a coach? What's your story there? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was an athlete first as most, as most coaches are, um, I played in high school, played volleyball in high school. I was lucky that they had boys volleyball at, um, from Simi Valley. High, uh, Simi Valley, I went to a school called Royal High School. and Then I oh. went to BYU and played collegiate volleyball there uh, for Carl McGowan, who was oh, a awesome. legendary coach. Yeah, and he's one of the best um, teachers in the, in the world, really, and um, kind of caught the bug, played professionally, planned on playing professionally longer but then got offered a job at UNLV to be an assistant coach and decided that that's really what my path was going to be. I wasn't going to be able to play for, you know, 10, 15 years. My body wasn't going to hold up anyway, so better to get into coaching and uh, got a job coaching at UNLV. was there five years, and national team was at it. Then I was at for four, and then Illinois for 13, and then I've been here. This is going into my fourth year this year.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness. So what's one of, like, the biggest things you've learned, I guess, since being a coach?
1: The biggest things I've learned, um, I would say the most important thing I've learned is that you have to be yourself. Well, two things. You have to always be yourself. To be successful at coaching, um, you have to make sure that you figure out your voice and that you are always yourself and that you um, aren't trying to be somebody else. And also, probably more importantly, that coaching is what we do, not who we are. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that same thing for athletes. That um, when I when I see it going bad for coaches, when I see coaches going a bad direction, it's because their identity is wrapped up in um, in coaching, and they mm-hmm. they see themselves as a coach. Like you asked me, Morgan, going into this, like um, you want me to call you coach or you want me to call you Kevin? I want you to call me Kevin. And the reason I give you is like I am that coach is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm mm-hmm. so much more than just that. And I'd say I give the same advice to athletes: like you are not just a volleyball player. And it's easy because you get attention as a coach or a player to get wrapped up in that identity piece and to, to identify yourself as one of those. But for me, yeah. it's, I think it's really important to keep that separate. And, you know, I'm, I'm not just a dad either. I'm not just a husband. I'm, I'm Kevin, and those are things that are a part of uh, my life, but that's not, what, that's not me. That's a, it's not my identity. They're just things that I'm a part of. And I think that's really probably the most important thing because, as I mentioned, when things go bad, it's because our, our identity gets wrapped up into that, and then as we, if we're an athlete and we perform poorly, or we're a coach and our team's performing poorly, then um, all of a sudden we look at it as like I am performing poorly, and then we take that personally, as opposed mm-hmm. to this is what I do, and I'm just I, I can do a better job, or and I, I don't get caught up in that from a personal standpoint. I feel like that's when things people get outside of themselves is when they they um, take it too personal, and so keeping that separation, I think, is probably those two things are the most important thing. Be yourself and then make sure that when you are yourself, that you're not wrapping up your identity into what you do. It's just yeah. what you
0: do. I love that. Like having that balance in your life.
1: It's easy to, it's easy to wrap your identity into what you do. Right. Yeah. Especially when you're young, especially for athletes. Cause if you think about athletes, when they're, when they're in high school, like I feel like junior high, when you're junior high. You're trying to hide out, and not get attention usually. Cause you're just, <laughs> you're just awkward and all that. But once you get to high school, You try to figure out ways to separate yourself a little bit and become, you know, like some something or someone. And so if you're an athlete and you're like this great athlete, especially the ones that we end up coaching, you're identified as this great athlete once you hit high school, right? So, so then it's easy to wrap your identity up into like, I am an athlete, I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete, whether or not you're a jock and all that, but then, so it's easy to kind of just continue down that path. And then you go to college all of a sudden, you know, you sign to go to this great school and you you do your signing thing and everyone identifies you as this athlete. It's just really easy to do that. It's really hard to keep it separate. And I'd say the same thing if you're a musician or if you're an artist or if you're mm-hmm. this math, you're the computer science guy or a math person. Like you, It's easy to wrap up because that's how you're identified. That's how, pe- how you've kind of separated yourself. And so it's easy to do that. But I think finding that separation in your life.
0: I totally agree with you. And um, I like that you mentioned like with other groups too. It's just, I loved what you said and, so you made me think of a question I wanted to ask you. It's like, cool. what what advice would you give to an athlete wanting to play for a team or university?
1: Hmm. I mean, that's there's so many layers to that. What specifically are you talking about? Like trying to find the right school? Yeah, just in get, general. Yeah. I would say when you're going through the process of trying to figure out what university to go to, don't get concerned about what other people feel about that university. Feel, mm. Go with what you feel about the university because yeah. some people are searching the, the sexiest school, you know, and mm-hmm. they, and that doesn't mean it's the right fit, but like really look at it with a clean lens and see what do you, what do you want to get out of your college experience? Try to identify that. Uh, and if you don't know, that's okay too, but like try to figure out like what mostly you want, like big school, small school, uh, high academic, you know, party school. There's all these different, kind of different kinds of schools that you can get into and then judge it based on what you want out of it, not what other people think. Cause I think some people chase the sexy school as opposed to the right school. And then they end up in a situation where it's not necessarily the right situation, both mm-hmm. from if they're athletes or non-athletes, but especially athletes, sometimes they chase conferences as opposed to the right school. I want to be in the Pac-12 or I want to be in the big Ten or I really want to be in the WCC or I really want to be, you know, and instead of mm-hmm. just figuring out like what's the right school for me and letting the rest of it sort itself out.
0: That's true. I, I like that looking for the things that would suit them the best that they would enjoy rather than the the title. I totally agree.
1: With yeah. Cause titles get really and then that gets complicated and, and you want to, and people around you want you to go to titles. Your Like your parents want you to go to the best title and your if you're a a sport, your coaches want you to go to because it makes them look good, you know, and it, and then your high school coaches want you to go to the right and your athletic director wants you to go to the school that looks great. It doesn't mean it's the right place for you. So I think it's really hard because you're not, not everyone's looking out for your self-interest and all that, even though they think that they are, they're not necessarily because it's hardest for them to separate themselves from that sometimes.
0: Oh, that's so true. Uh, well, thank you so much for that advice. And just sharing that, that'll be good for people to listen to, so. I'm glad. Cool. Yes. And then I guess on to my next question for you. What's one of your most memorable travel experiences?
1: Oh, my most me- my most memorable travel experience was, uh, we, we hiked, we hiked Machu Picchu, uh, me and a few friends. We did the, we did the Inca trail. Then we got off on, on like, uh, the train jumped off. I think it, it was one ten exit, which was put us about 20 miles out, I think. And yeah. we did it in two and a half days. And it was just incredible. I think the journey, like we're talking about the season, getting to Machu Picchu was really cool, and seeing that was amazing. And but the the trail itself, the Inca Trail, you know, the yeah. the, the the destination was great, but the path and the the things that we went on. We had we had a bunch of people with altitude sickness, including myself, and oh. I had I went blind in one eye and had tunnel vision in oh. another eye. And Yeah, we had another person that was throwing up the whole last third of the of the trip, and so. I think like we look back on it, all of us look at that as like the most amazing experience. But yet when you describe it, you may not describe it all as the best, you know, you may Mm -hmm. describe it as kind of um, like if you each looked at each moment, there's some pretty awful moments. But when you look back at the whole journey, the things that we experienced together as a group were pretty remarkable.
0: Oh, no, I think that's awesome. Because I feel like with travel, it brings out sometimes like the worst in people and the best in people because it's just, it's such a different environment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of what makes it cool. You know, it's like seeing some of the, like, well, there's two ways to travel. Like there's a traveler and then there's a tourist and like (laughs) a tourist. I'm going to use a terrible, I don't know if I should use this analogy. I'm not going to use this analogy. My friend has a great (laughs) analogy, but it's a little blue. So I'll I'll stay away from it. But like a a traveler is, well, sorry, that's a tourist. It's a safe. You're like on the outside of it looking in. You're almost like uh, you're just peering into this world, but if you're a traveler, you're in it and you're eating the food and you're, it's not safe. And I would, I much, I would much rather be a traveler in all my experiences and stay at local hotels. And like, I just went to Cambodia and Vietnam and we didn't stay at any of the Marriott properties or any of that kind of stuff. We stayed at local hotels with, you know, locals. And it was really, really made it more of an enjoyable experience because we we were travelers as opposed to tourists. Than
0: just just looking in, you're actually experiencing it
1: you're you're eating you're you're living it you're feeling it you're you're yeah you're experiencing all of it and that's really what travel to me should be about the experience is not seeing things yeah so I like the I like the um I like being a traveler
0: oh no I agree with you I think travel is awesome and um I know you've been a college coach for a while so have you had opportunities with your team like what's been one of your most favorite travels with your teams
1: yeah, I mean, we took the team. Uh, we've taken the team mostly to Europe, and mm-hmm. in fact, no, only to Europe. It's the only place I've ever taken the team, and um, it's been really cool to, you know. I think we. My favorite is is getting to some of the small towns in like Italy. Uh, <laughs> yes. And we like we let them go off, and um, we basically. Well, this is my favorite experience. Is we said, hey, hey, we assign you. We assigned groups of three of them a city. And we said, we're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to get on a train by yourselves and go to a city and go explore that city. And then we're going to come back together. And over dinner, we're going to all share what we saw. You know, so do some research, see what the city's about, and then just go off on your own. And it was just, for me, again, it was like we were just talking about, the coolest part about that is that they had to go and explore on their own. And they were, it wasn't 100% safe. Yeah. You know, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure administration would let me do that now, but we did it, I don't know. 10 years ago and they allowed us to do that and I think it was a cool experience for them because it gave them confidence for the next time that they go to Europe they'll be able to travel on their own and then they got to go like really dive into a city and go see what it was all about and I think all that was really really just um I don't know it's one of my favorite things to hear them come back and see the confidence that they gained but also share the experiences that they shared to the rest of the group
0: oh no I love that I love that you guys could go out and explore on their own because then they're able to, like you mentioned, being able to be like a, a traveler rather than a tourist.
1: That was the hope. I do think there were more tourists and travelers, but at least they got some taste of it.
0: It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, and what's one thing that no one knows about you that you could share with us? Mm. <laughs> it's a hard one. Uh,
1: yeah. I played in an awful punk band when I was in high <laughs> school. Yeah, that's oh, so no. Funny. Freshman year of college. Yeah, that's probably that's not a lot of people know that, but it was a terrible, terrible, like punk band, like a punk band. <laughs> where it was we barely could play guitars, and it was awful.
0: Oh wow! So and you great. were you-
1: <laughs> It was great.
0: That's awesome. Were you the were you the uh, one playing the guitar?
1: I played guitar and I sang.
0: Oh wow! Wow! I screamed. That-
1: <laughs> I screamed. It was not I'm not singing. I was screaming. That's yeah. so funny.
0: Do you still yeah. do that? Do you still?
1: <laughs> I don't scream anymore, and I don't sing very much. But I, I've gotten a little bit better at guitar. I've been playing since then, so it's been a lot of years. But I have several guitars, so yeah, I still have. We still play occasionally. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, this will be fun for people to listen to. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes. Well, what's your, what's you and your team's next adventure?
1: Well, I mean, right now we're trying to sort out how to stay connected. This, you know, COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. um, and then we got a, you know, a season where we're trying to, I mean, I, I guess the next moments that are in front of us are how do we communicate? How do we keep this thing moving forward when we can't be together? And then hopefully we have a season coming up. And yeah. I think we're all looking forward to just um, seeing how how much we can grow in the season and what we can become by the end of the year. I mean, I think that's the next adventure. I tend not to look too far ahead because who knows what the future is going to hold, but um, that's the next adventure that I'm really excited about It's more of like, what can we become as a group? And we lost seven seniors. And so we're oh. kind of reinventing ourselves. So it should be fun to see. We definitely have the talent, but it'll be fun to see how competitive we could be. And more importantly, who we can become as a group, mm-hmm. as people, and as a and what our personality is like as a collective group, which is, you know, one of the more interesting and exciting and fun parts about being a coach is to see what your team's personality becomes. It, no, that's
0: true. Kind of, and like, I always view sports as like a team family. Yeah. And so that's it sound that sounds like what you're describing.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the I think if people were around a the program they'd describe it as a as a family environment. The family can be tricky sometimes that word. I, I think it, everyone's definition of what family is is different in what they're looking for. I mean I just think we're a really cohesive team, but I, I think most people would say because we're so connected and close that we have a family-ish environment, but we don't use that term a lot because just because of, uh, you know, I think some people's family could be a terrible thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes family can be dysfunctional, and yeah. we just want to be a great team and good people and take care of each other in a way that we all um, can respect and uh, feel proud of.
0: Oh No, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's so true, and um, I think that's honestly what's what's helped your team go so far and do so well is, like the mindset you have as a coach and as a team. So thank you so much for letting us get a glimpse into your team today and letting us talk sure, to you.
1: Marvin. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on and yeah. I, I've enjoyed catching up on the podcast. That you guys have had on, you have got some amazing people on there. So it's good to hear them speak as well. So thanks for sharing. and Thanks for what you do for our yeah. coaches and people in general. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.